Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be in the studio this morning with a woman um, I actually met through a a wonderful networking group, Femfessionals, here in Philadelphia. And her name is Leanne Embry, and Leanne is a realtor with Caldwell Banker Preferred. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Um, I I wanted to talk a little bit about your your background as we discussed a little bit before the show and get a sense of, uh, you know, what your life was before you stepped into this role as realtor and um, talk a little bit about your family growing up. Why don't you go ahead and and tell us a little bit about that? Okay. Well, I was born in Pittsburgh many, many years ago, and um, I ended up in a different school in 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth and 10th grade. So we moved frequently um, after Pittsburgh. I lived in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Houston, Texas, Durham, North Carolina. And I finally ended up back in this area in 1990. I moved into Westchester. Okay. So you moved every year? It was a different one, school. A different school mm-hmm. every year. Now, what was that? Uh, dad's job took you to it was those my, places? It was my father's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did he do? He was with um, oil. Okay. So that's a lot of moving around. Yes. And that what did that do for you as a child? You you mentioned to me that you thought it, it added to your ability to kind of adapt to new situations. I would imagine it, it did. I actually really enjoyed it because it did it it forced me into different situations and to learn how to branch out and make friends quickly and to see a lot of different areas and cultures and customs and to adapt to that was something special, I think, as opposed to just staying in one area. Yeah. Did you have siblings? I do. I have a younger sister. You do. Mm-hmm. And is she in the area? She's she... in Florida in with Florida. my parents. Mm-hmm. Good. A nice place to visit. They ended up there for one of the moves. So oh, They did. <laughs> <laughs> so they're retired they, there? My parents retired there. My sister went to Rollins College and she ended up staying in Florida. My parents moved to Houston and then they moved back to Florida. Okay. Um, to be with her. And your, your dad passed when you were young, you mentioned to mm-hmm. me. How old were you? I was six when he passed away. Okay. And... Um, and then did mom work outside of the house or was she briefly and then she remarried um my current father now when i was 12 i'm completely blessed to have yeah so. um what, what were and some of the oh go ahead oh no and that's when we started to move and that's when you started to <laughs> because move of his all job. over yeah mm-hmm. okay um Relocation. where did you actually graduate from high school i went to the shipley school in Bryn Mawr. Oh, in Bryn Mawr. Mm-hmm. Okay, so local. Yep. And then and, I went to her science college for a year. Okay. You're very local. I mean, but, later in life, right? Correct. So what were some of the activities you were involved in at, at Shipley? Um, I was co-editor of the yearbook, co-editor of an article for the newspaper, co-captain of the soccer team. You were active. I was. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You can I think brag that's a about theme that. of my life. I like yeah. to be active and challenged, and I think there's a little bit of um, competitive nature to me as well. Yeah. And you know, what did you have some um, aspirations as a young girl to, to go into business, or what were some of your thoughts uh, going through high school as far as what you were going to be studying? Um, I was an English major. Okay. And I had a psychology minor, and I've always been interested in people. I, I love to read. I love to write. And I always wanted to be a businesswoman, and I thought I might be in advertising or marketing. And as it turned out, after I graduated as a stay-at-home mom, and I was on the board at Montgomery School for six years. So I was okay. active in the community, but not gamefully employed at that time. Yeah. Um, 
you you had a, a son. You mm-hmm. still have a son. I, <laughs> I think it's really important to talk about, um, you know, what occurred when he was six years old. And, um, you know, go ahead. You talk about that. I know you said okay. it, it might be difficult for you, but I think it's important. Well, Christian is my pride and joy. And when he was six years old, he was diagnosed with a very rare form of childhood cancer. And he was treated at CHOP for a year. And I think because of him, he is my hero. He's my muse, as I said to you earlier. Um, He overcame such adverse conditions and would go to chemotherapy every Monday for a year. And I would take him back to school. He attended the Montgomery School in Chester Springs. Mm -hmm. And he would go to Holman Hoops Camp that evening and play basketball. And I don't think he ever realized um, the significance or the impact that cancer can have, such as an adult, how we look at it. And he's always been my muse because of that and my hero. Yeah. You know what? That is a really tough thing. It's it's a tough thing for anyone, but what, a child with cancer just seems so It just seems so unfair. unfair. It so really unfair. does. Mm-hmm. Um, can you t- what was the name of the, the cancer that it's he had? It's called orbital rhabdomyosarcoma. Orbital meaning it was in his eye. Okay. And rhabdomyosarcoma is a soft cell tissue cancer. Okay. So he did develop cataracts. Um, he's been able to take flying lessons. He has some problems, you know, some issues. He didn't lose his vision or his sight in that eye. Great. And he's just been able to overcome, like I said, such adverse conditions and thrive. Yeah. That he's my hero. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> How long did he have to go through the treatment? For you know, a maybe, year. For one year. He had and a that... year of chemo and I think six weeks of radiation, the maximum amount you're allowed to achieve in a lifetime. Okay. And have. no setbacks since then. Well, it's interesting because he's, you know, he's in survivor's clinic and as he's an adult, it's kind of interesting. He had to have his wisdom teeth out when he was 18, and because of the scatter effects of radiation, sometimes they can um, cause dead sockets and things like that. So it's long-term impacts that you don't really think about until you face something like that 12 years later. Right, right. It's just side effects of the of the treatment. Of the radiation, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad he's doing well. And Thank and you. It, Sons are really special. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about your, your years at Ursinus and mm-hmm. um, what were some of the things you were involved in there? I, well, my freshman year, I was only there for one year. And at that time, my parents had transferred to Texas and they felt as if um, it was too far away. And I kind of I tend to agree with them that I was on my own. So after my freshman year, I transferred down to Texas and San Antonio. And I went to St. Mary's University in, outside of um, Houston and San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And what year did you graduate from St. Mary's? That was in 80, oh gosh, I was on the five-year plan, 88, okay. 89. I have to do the math. Yeah. <laughs> in the 80s. That's all we need to know. <laughs> so. um, and, and what was one of your first jobs out of college then? I was in retail for a while. And then um, I actually met my husband at the time when I was at Shipley. Mm-hmm. And we sort of followed each other all over the country. And he went to Duke Law School. And so when we were in Durham, North Carolina, I, that was where I first started in real estate. There, but I knew we were moving back to the area, so it was just a, a brief glimpse at real estate. Yeah, and it was a very different technology back then too, where we didn't have the internet and the MLS came out once a week. So. Right, right. <laughs> and so you didn't. That wasn't the beginning of your real estate career. That was you, the beginning of my real estate career. The but then when I came back here, I then had my son a few years later, and I was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And how many years yeah. were you at home then? Um, probably twelve. Twelve. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, the real estate market is, it's interesting. We were discussing the fact that, you know, there's definitely, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's definitely more women realtors than men. Um, although there seems to be more men in the commercial real estate end of it. Absolutely. You know, that's interesting. Um, what do you think is happening as far as that, you know, the, the men, women uh, numbers, percentages today? Do you see that that's changing or do you feel that it's the same? 
I still feel as if it's a, a female-dominated industry. I see just in my own personal experience, we have a lot of male managers within my company, and I see a lot of um, male realtors in the commercial world. Yeah. So, Why do you think that is? I don't know. Um, I can't figure it out. I think maybe commercial may be perceived as more business-like, where women, as we discussed earlier, they take time off to have children. Residential real estate gives you a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. I don't really understand it, but... Well, it is, it, it is. Yeah, it is a nice kind of uh, second act for women as well. A lot of women mm-hmm. do something different, um, stay home, have children, and then they go and get the real estate license. Correct. What is it about um, the real estate industry that's so appealing to you? There are a lot of different things that appealed to me. And I did diligence for about a year and researched various fields that I wanted to be in. And I was seriously considering doing a franchise. But what I thought with real estate is I liked that you could get out as much as you put into it. And there are no ceilings in this business. You really can thrive and excel if your heart desires. So that was most appealing to me also because I was a single mother at the time when I got back into it, um, to be able to go to my son's soccer games and things like that or basketball and to be able to watch him do things like that. I had the flexibility to do that too. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was a great example for him to see you out and about and working (laughs) and, you know, kind of um, finding that balance, you know, exactly to be involved with him and and still be working. Um, how about some of the challenges? What's what do you find difficult, most difficult in your day to day? What I find difficult about the real estate industry is that there are so many different components to any given transaction. Uh, a lot of things can go wrong that are beyond your control, and you can do a lot of things, and it could have something to do with the mortgage or the title, or the buyer or seller may change their mind. So there are a lot of variables that you just really can't determine the the final outcome of. Right. And the changing of the market, you know, the market is continually changing. I actually like that yeah. because it's never the same. Right. Um, and I, I'm a very organized person, but I like to see every day being different and you never know really what to expect. And yeah. There are a lot of changes, but I like that because it's not the same. Yeah. And you have to constantly, you know, be um, educating yourself about that. Can you explain a little bit to, I really don't understand anything about real estate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems to me I hear in the news one day that, you know, the market is is thriving and homes are selling and it seems that the very next day or several days later, it can be completely different. What, you know, what is happening that makes that fluctuate so frequently? Well, what we saw last year was uh, over across the, the nation, a 12 percent increase in sale prices. And we were almost beginning to think that another bubble was going to form and burst. This year, at least, we're starting to see more of a, a calming leveling of the pricing. They're not going up this high. Um, we do have in this local area uh, a reduction of inventory. So it is definitely a seller's market. I don't know what the trends are, but I know back when the bubble did burst, a lot of builders stopped building. So we did have a reduction in inventory. Buyers stopped buying. There was no consumer confidence. And now I think we're starting to see consumer confidence again. And because of that increase in prices last year, more sellers are able to put their home on the market and not be underwater as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I actually have two friends that put their homes on the market just because they thought they'd watch for a year and see what would happen. They didn't Mm -hmm. think. And they got their asking price and one got higher in two weeks. Yes. And they were shocked. They didn't have anywhere to go. (laughs) We're actually we're seeing multiple bid situations. And that is an instance. I primarily work with listings and my sellers will say, well, where do I go? I can't find a property. You know, what do I do? And I listed two properties last week, one on a Thursday, one on a Friday, and they both went under contract within days. Yeah. So in other words, if the inventory is low, that is better for the sellers. There is. Obviously. Okay. And I mean, this may sound demand. basic to you, but no. uh, yeah. And um, and then, you know, so people start to see that and they get confident 
and they think we should sell our house. Mm-hmm. And then when too many are in the market, then it changes again. It's supply and demand. Exactly. Yeah. And interest rates, you know, that plays a lot into it, too, and the buyer's purchasing power and how far their dollar can go. So there are a lot of different components, I think, that, right. that play into it. Right. Um, you are very successful in what you do, and you have received you. many, many awards um, for your work. And, and I wonder if you have a sense of what what is it about you that has led to your success? Um, what do you think it is? Well, I think primarily, like I said, it was my son. Um, he just drives me to succeed and to show him that even under adverse conditions and, you know, maybe not so optimal real estate market conditions that you still can survive, if not even thrive, um, and not to use those conditions as an excuse either, but to find a new or creative way um, to generate business. Yeah. I would say it's your your interpersonal skills as well, because I do Thank think, you. yeah, I think it's really important for realtors to gain trust from the people that they're working with, um, and you have a very natural ability with people. Thank you. Well, they say you never get a second chance to make a first impression, and I always feel as if every contact or communication I have with the client is that first impression. And I'm now at the point where a lot of my business is through referrals. Right. So I'm fortunate to have that. Right. What is any one of the particular awards that you've received more important to you or does it stand out to you? I think all realtors like recognition Uh and our office has a company award ceremony every year and we get to walk on the red carpet and be recognized. And I don't even think it necessarily matters as to the level of achievement. But like I said, I'm I'm competitive and I do have an accountability partner. And we set our goals based on the level of achievement that we would like to see for that year. Yeah. Um, We should mention for the listeners that you you do um, residential real estate. Yes. Mm -hmm. And do you do a certain level? You know, is it luxury real estate or is it kind of across the board? I work with everybody um, from first time home buyers on up. But I do have accreditation in um, luxury properties. I'm certified not only through the Board of Realtors, but also through my company. We have a previews luxury marketing division. Um, in addition to referrals, do you do you find um, use in social media? Do I do. You, you do. And what types of things do you find beneficial when you're using, you know, the different the different platforms? I feel it's a combination. I primarily focus on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And I think it's a component of that networking, just being visual and in front of people in you know various different environments. And what areas do you work in? What is your, I guess, territory or counties or my office is located in Exton, Pennsylvania. So my primary region will be Chester County, but I work in the five county area, Chester, Montgomery, Lancaster, Delaware. Okay. And and are there opportunities for you to expand out or would that be the area that you'll be I'm licensed in? in the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. And I also work with Cardis Relocation. I'm a certified relocation coordinator and I can give referrals internationally. So okay. although That's I'm licensed in Pennsylvania, we can help others have you world. ever had an opportunity to do that? I actually had a friend that contacted me about a referral in Italy. Wow. So I did. Well, did it, Did you have to go there? <laughs> I know. I wish. Darn. <laughs> to go preview. Well, that should, I know. Yeah, that we were trying to figure that it. out. <laughs> um, I'm always, there's a lot of um, real, realtors, a lot of companies out there. And, uh, and I'm always curious as to what makes one stand out from the rest. In other words, what's different about Caldwell Banker? from other realtors in the area, what would you say? I love my office in and of itself, and the agents that are there are so helpful. Um, There's no backstabbing. There's no client stealing. We have a really great environment with which to work. Um, I also like Caldwell Banker Preferred and the tools that they give us, the IT department that we have, all of these um, 
I, I guess, technology that we can uh, you know provide for our clients. Statistics and numbers and all of that. I think it's more of a search engines and we have lead router for our our listings for clients to call in and get information on the property, just our response time, all these different, we have toolkit, our CMAs. And is there a tool that allows you to kind of, you know, you have a client and they say, this is what I'm looking for. And you can actually go onto a program, plug in information and have it, you know, um, bring you to a certain house, I guess. Exactly. Criteria. Exactly. Yeah. That's really wonderful. They didn't have that years ago. They have a lot of different things now. That I bet. Just to keep abreast of it, is it's exciting. Yeah. Can you, what is the story of Caldwell Banker? How, where did it start? And, you know. Um, Caldwell Banker Preferred originally was, I think it was eight offices within the, the region. It was owned by Harry Caparo. And he passed away a few years ago. He was our broker. And we were eventually purchased by NRT, which is National Realty Trust. It's the largest brokerage firm in the United States. And they also own Sotheby's, Century 21, ERA, et cetera. And that's so, um, and and so we'll, we'll give a shout out to Dan Caparo. Who hi, Dan? <laughs> Dan Caparo, his son who who Correct. took over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what is to our benefit is that NRT recognized what we were doing within our local regional market as Caldwell Bank Preferred, and they allow us to operate under that name while still being powered by this very large corporation NRT behind us. So. I'm sorry. So so Caldwell Banker Preferred is actually a division of exactly. NRT. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are there other divisions of NRT? There are a lot. There so are a lot. Century 21, Sotheby's, ERA, yeah. so how did, Okay. And they all must operate the same. I mean, they're under different names, but they all must operate the and same. And they have different brands in too. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, I'm curious, to, you know, you really do enjoy what you do, and I can see it. Do you have any thoughts or aspirations of doing something else down the road? Or do you see this as um, your long-term career? I see this as my long-term career. Yeah. And how about um, moving into a different role, perhaps uh, moving up into uh, a more of an executive position within Caldwell Banker? Is that something you aspire to do? I am very happy with where I am, and I don't feel as if I could do well in a managerial position because I don't like a nine-to-five desk job. I like to be out in the field and interacting. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be with Leanne Embry, realtor with Caldwell Banker Preferred. And I want to give a quick thank you to Linda Martin, who is sponsoring uh, this spot today for Leanne. Linda Martin is an insurance agent with First National Land Transfer. We will be right back. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Hello? Hi, Kelly.
Sally, it's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes. Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the city of light. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at InSourceNow.com to find the quality help you need. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. 
Welcome back, everyone, to this week's Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm in the studio today with Leanne Embry. And Leanne is a realtor with Caldwell Banker Preferred, um, and she would like to to thank Linda Martin, who has sponsored this spot today. Uh, Linda Martin is a title agent with First National Land Transfer. So thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Um, I thought it might be interesting for the listeners to talk a little bit about some of the things that you advise your sellers to do when they're trying to sell a home, especially in today's kind of crazy market. Mm -hmm. Well, in the initial consultation, um, as we were discussing earlier, what I really like to stress in the beginning is curbside appeal, the exterior, especially at this time of year, We've had almost a delayed market because of the winter that we had, and a lot of people had damage to their shrubs, the mulch. I mean, it just really took its toll on the exterior. And as a buyer's coming up to your home, the agent will be trying to access the property through the lockbox and get the key out. And that's really where you have the chance to make a first impression, where the, the buyer's sort of a captive audience at that point, and they're just taking in everything while the agent's trying to access the, the code and to get into the property. So that's the very first thing I always advise my sellers to do. And how about as far as inside and and what to do from an aesthetic standpoint? I always advise, I say try to neutralize everything. And by that, I mean take down family portraits so that when you should, it should almost feel like you're in a model home when the buyer walks in because the buyer needs to visualize themselves and that property and not the homeowner. And they can actually get distracted by pictures or awards or certificates. I also say to just get rid of anything personalized as far as maybe you have a, a magazine with your name on it. Just try to remove things like that so that the buyer can actually envision themselves in the property. Yeah, and and it's difficult to find the balance between making it neutral and, you know, appealing to the buyer and not having it be so sterile. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Um, And that's almost taken on a case-by-case basis. And I think with paint, a lot of times, that's a lot easier to rectify than perhaps wallpaper. Right. Um, Are you seeing homes in any certain area around Philadelphia selling quicker than other areas? Yes. There are always pockets in highly sought-after neighborhoods um, but I, I primarily focus in Chester County, and we're seeing properties in all different price ranges. Um, I had a property in the 300s. I had another property in the 600s. Both sell with multiple bids within days of listing. How about – to me, I'm, it, it seems to me that a lot of uh, younger people are moving into the city. Do you, yes. have, you have you had some uh, sales in Center City? I don't have any listings in Center City at this present point. But a current trend that I just was made aware of, which I found really interesting, is that the baby boomers and the people that are downsizing and the empty nesters are mm-hmm. moving into the city, which I found sort of curious. But they're able to walk to everything and they want to enjoy the theater and the restaurants and all of the the attractions that the city offers. Yeah, I, I see a change in that. At least there's discussion about that in general, that people mm-hmm. are downsizing. I think a lot of our generation, I know I have a lot of friends that built real big, you know, palatial homes, and now they're thinking, what the heck was I doing? It's it's too much to maintain. We call it right-sizing. Right-sizing? <laughs> As opposed to downsizing. Oh, okay. Sorry. But, but I also think people are more concerned about their um, their footprint on the earth, and they're trending more towards green homes, and right. they want to be environmentally conscious, too. Yeah. There has been a lot of talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um which, for some reason, you just reminded me of, of the, the philanthropic work that Femfessionals is, has decided to do. Uh, Femfessionals is a women's networking group in f- the Philadelphia area. And uh, Leanne is on the board for the philanthropic um, initiative, I guess we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and which group they decided to support? Absolutely. Well, this is, as you said, our initiative. It's our first year to attempt anything like this. And... Um, Cheyenne Palma, who is our president, myself, and Joanne Belt, who's my co-chair on the committee, we researched a lot of different 
charities based on suggestions that came from the organization. And we looked into all the different things that they had to offer, their budget, what they benefited. And we were looking for a charity that would tie in well with our mission and that would work well with women. And when we put the vote out to the community, Laurel House, which um, helps women of um, domestic violence, was our selected charity for this year. Women and children, right? Yes. Victims, I should say, I guess, because it can also be men. But I think women are primarily the the victims of violence. Yeah. And what are some of the things that uh, the group has planned to do to to raise funds, I guess? I mean, there's other things, other ways to support, but raising funds is really critical because the the center itself needs all types of uh, things. What we did is we went to the center, and as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel, we looked at what they had and what their most urgent needs were. So every month at one of our luncheons, we do a collection based on their needs. It can be towels, um, personal products, diapers, things like that, canned goods. And so each month we ask our members to bring a contribution. Now, Laurel House just had an event called Walk a Mile in Her Shoes where they have men walk in high heels. So we tried to get all of the, the women and their men involved in that walk. And then their big gala is next week. So we're also trying to meld our organization with events and things that they've already had planned so that we can contribute as much as we can. Yeah, because I think it's, you know, in addition to, to providing supplies, I think it might be nice to actually have engage the women in some of the things that Femfessionals is doing to kind of give support from a, a professional standpoint for them. In other exactly. Words, yeah. And they're aware of many of the services that we have, and a lot of our members have volunteered photography, like all the different things and services that are within the Femfessionals that we could help to benefit Laurel House. Do you know how many women are actually there on any given at any given time? I think it, cha- it changes, and it's usually on an emergency basis. So these women will show up in the middle of the night, um, and it's an undisclosed location. And I know that they're currently looking for a new property because the one that they're in is dated. Um, but they'll usually show up in the middle of the night with their children and just basically the clothing on their backs. Yeah. So there's only one location at this point. There's one location at this point. Um, that I think it's it's three stories. Maybe 10 to 15 women at any given time. Okay. And I think they can only stay there for up to a month, but at least they can provide to them the services to get, you know, just an emergency location for them to go to, to seek solace. Okay. And then is there an organization, I would imagine there is, that is supportive of Laurel House for these women when they're ready to leave there? What is is their next step? They have a lot of different um, programs in place where they can give training to them, child care, things like that to help mm-hmm. them get on their feet and get out from under legal counsel as well. Right. That's so what I'm, I'm thinking about, of- getting them back on their feet. I mean, you know, um, safety and, and a place to lay your head is really important, but there, there needs to be some follow-up but then where do you go for from these there? women. Yeah. Right. So. Um, but I think, I think our, I say our group, Femfessionals, is going to be a wonderful support for them and, and probably after they end up leaving. Correct. I see so they can go on. Yeah. And they send a member, a different member, every month to our luncheon to get a feeling of what we're about, too. Yeah. And some of them are starting to become members, too. Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Um, I wonder if you can talk about um, some maybe success stories that you have had with some of your clients um, that maybe stand out for you as as maybe one of your favorite either sell or buy situations for a family or a couple. Well, I had a friend who... um, Years ago, I guess I was fairly new in the business, and she had owned numerous properties, and I had approached her about one. It was a horse farm that the listing had expired, and if I could perhaps have a chance at listing it. And as it turned out, I eventually got that, but she said, well, we were actually thinking of selling our own home. And I said, okay, well, I can list it. 
and I listed it for her and I sold it in 19 days for pretty much a full price cash offer. And her husband never expected this. And then I think consequently he felt as if he was rendered homeless oh. um, <laughs> and they went on. And now I've, I've actually received a lot of business and referrals from that one property, but it sort of opened the door um, yeah. that she gave me the confidence to have this, this one listing that yeah. nobody thought would sell. Yeah, that's terrific. How many typically listings do you have at any given time? And and I know that changes, but I guess, you know, what's the largest number that you've been working with? I like to have between five and 10 at any given time. Now, okay. because of the lowered inventory that we have, I have five right now. And it's because they're selling so quickly, too, that as soon as you get a listing, I almost can't get the paperwork finished in time before you get the offer and then you're at the next phase that's great of the transaction so it is but i I like to manage 10 now with buyers that you work with i can only do two or three at a time effectively because i like to give them the customer service and the attention that they need to go out and preview the properties and look at them and tour them but with listings i can manage more and do you prefer is there a a preference for you as far as selling or buying i love the two different types of very much so and they're usually a listing agent and a buyer's agent um i do love my buyers but i I especially like with listings i'm an amateur photographer so i love photography and i love the creative aspect of a listing and as i mentioned i was an english major so i like the writing and the descriptive part and getting the property out there yeah on the internet so are you doing anything with your photography or is it just a hobby just a hobby yeah um one of the things i'm always curious about uh with real estate is again uh, there's commercial and there's um, residential. And mm-hmm. I know that you focus on residential, but you had a, a tiny taste of commercial. Um, what, what types of differences with clients do you see when you're dealing with uh, one versus the other? There are completely different animals. When I had my commercial listing, you use different websites, different Internet sites um, to market the property. Uh, commercial transactions usually take a lot longer. Um, you have to look at if it's a rental, you know, what the income for the property is. It's just an entirely different process. Even the, the information that you enter into the MLS is different. The MLS being the? The multiple listing service, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> From the non-realtor. <laughs> sorry. I, I've heard MLS a lot, but I never knew the exact wording. <laughs> um, what are the, some of the things that you... Uh, that are difficult for you in your day to day. You know, we all kind of have things that personally are a challenge for us in our work. I'm wondering what what those are for you. Time management is huge in the industry, and I'm actually sitting on a panel tomorrow where we're going to have a discussion on time management. And I think with technology and cell phones and texting and email, people want an immediate response. And I can have clients contact me at seven in the morning or ten o'clock at night, and they want a response. And I think we feel if we don't get back to them right away that they may go somewhere else or become offended. So I think those are the two biggest challenges is, you know, setting the time limits as well as managing your time effectively. And do, are you are you patient with the, you know, there's a lot of waiting, you know, um, for things to, to happen and turn around. Are you patient with that or do you find you kind of want no. things to move along? I love no. immediate gratifications. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a very patient person. I'm sort of a type A, but... You learn. You learn. <laughs> so. um, you sit on the boards of other organizations. Am I right? I um, was just selected as my office representative. Um, we're also having a philanthropic initiative with Caldwell Banker Preferred Cares, right. where we have selected a charity for two years, and we selected Ronald McDonald House to be our charity. That's a wonderful charity. Yes. And it has a special meaning to me, too, because it's yes. affiliated with CHOP, my son. Yes. Is, so this is a brand new initiative for Caldwell Banker? Correct, it is. And what type, What other organizations do they support as a company? This is the, the we've selected this one charity for a two-year venture, and we're going to see how that goes. And this is our first, we just launched it. 
Yeah. Um, are there are there initiatives within Caldwell Banker um, to try to um, bring more women up the corporate ladder? We talk about this a lot, you know, in here, mm-hmm. um, women executives kind of moving into the to the higher positions, the policymaking positions. Um, does Caldwell Banker do things to, to do, in other words, support through workshops and education? We have many workshops. We have a mentoring program in place. Yeah. And Can you Regina talk about Poyas. that? Yeah, the mentoring program. Um, what we have is um, over in our Wayne office boot camp where all the new agents go through and they're trained and they're learned, you know, the steps that they need to take in order to become a successful agent. Um, but my role as a mentor is to look over their paperwork, sort of advise them, um, be there for them to attend their settlements, just walk them through the process because many are doing it for the first time. Yeah. Are, are there young people coming out of school and, and getting their license? We have so many new agents in our office. It's really exciting to see because they bring a whole different level of energy to the office Yeah, and I, excitement. It seems to me that it's all just in general that there's not a lot of, I mean, young kids right out of college doing it, that it seems to be a, a career that people step into later in life. Is that the case? Sometimes. I think in the past, people would almost, a lot of times, you know, semi-retirees would do real estate part-time, but now I'm seeing it as a primary career for many young people entering the workforce. And I think also because of the job market, and if I understand it correctly, there aren't that many jobs out there. With real estate, you're an independent contractor. You control your own hours. You're your own boss, basically. And you can create the opportunity for yourself. How many hours would you say you spend a week doing what you do? I don't think I've ever added it up totally. But, <laughs> but they're, they're different hours, it's too, because so they can be they are flexible. They can be nights, weekends, but it also affords me the opportunity to do something like this today. So Yeah. Are you seeing a trend with your buyers um, just across the board? What types of homes are they looking for? Or does that vary generation to generation? It varies generation to generation. I am seeing, again, um, people are, we talked about right-sizing or downsizing, but right. also we're seeing some move-up buyers now, too. And I think it all starts with that first-time home buyer, and that just snowballs, where they buy a house, and because they're not selling one, then the person that whose home they bought has to buy one and so forth. Yeah. What What are you doing when you're not working? Do you have any downtime? I know you, you I work do. a lot. Um, I what love is, photography. I yeah. do that um, just as a hobby, and I belong to the Chester County Camera Club. I love paddleboarding, uh, working oh, out. Where do you do that? Marsh Creek State Park. Okay. In the summer. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> neat. It never occurred to me that you could do paddleboarding somewhere locally. I would think that's something you it's do terrific. when you're when we love you're it. So, vacationing. And they've, I think they've been offering it. And you don't even have to purchase the paddle. You can go and just rent the board for a few hours. And I've been to, I think they've been offering it for a few years. So. Yeah. Well, you seem fit. Is that is that the only thing you do from a fitness standpoint? Pilates. Okay. yoga oh. at the gym. Um, yeah. That's a little bit more so. than just paddle yeah. boarding. That's more of a hobby, entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> so, being outside. Can you um, can you talk a little bit about your son and, and what it is that he's doing today? And Well, he's a junior in college, and um, normally he would be coming home at this time. He's actually in Texas. Okay. Um, he's, at the, he's at Trinity University in San Antonio, where his dad attended school. Um, he's a double major. He is a history and a political science major. He's class senator. He's on the honor roll. He just was nominated into a business fraternity. Um, but he's trying to go to UT Law School as an in-state resident. So he just got his own apartment for the first time wow. to establish residency. So he won't be home for the summer. Okay. Well, that's that's a, a very inspiring thing for him to do. And I guess he's taking after his mom as far as <laughs> not just doing one thing at one time, being involved in a lot of different things. And um, we're going to... We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back in the studio with Leanne Embry, realtor with Caldwell Banker. 
It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow! Infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes. Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the City of Light. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip, or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized 
maximize success. InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at InSourceNow.com to find the quality help you need. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, Wealth Management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back to Women to Watch. I'm in the studio today with Leanne Embry. And Leanne is a realtor with Caldwell Banker Preferred here in uh, the Philadelphia area. Uh, she's based in Exton. And we want to thank again, Linda Martin is a title agent with First National Land Transfer. And Linda has sponsored Leanne's spot here today. So we want to say thank you again to her. Um, one of the things I always talk to my guests about um, our mentors, because I think it's really important for people to have people in their their corner who have their back and really are the ones that motivate them and and keep them lifted up. And I'm wondering if there's been anyone in your life that has done that for you. There actually is. A few years ago, um, a friend of mine, Dave McGrogan, along with Molly Neese and Brian Tracy, had a seminar out in Bear Creek, and Molly had approached me about being a sponsor for the event. And I said absolutely. And it was over spring break, and my son was at home when he had ACL surgery and was about ready to go back to school. And I said, oh, come on out with me. And he knew of Brian Tracy. And I have to say that their philosophies and their positive outlook on life, um, Dave McGrogan started Rhino Living with Molly Neese, and the motto was Give, Love, Serve, and Molly's Molly Sunshine. And she always has a positive reframe. In fact, I challenge her sometimes, and I'll set something negative out there and just to see how she can positively reframe it. And I have to say that they've been very inspirational to me to be motivated and to learn not to react to things, but, you know, not something may be negative or not a great way of something occurring, but to look at it and react to it in a positive way. Yeah. You know, Molly was a guest on the show. Was she really? She was. She was one of my very first guests. I just sold her house. She was one of the two examples I just referred to. Oh, really? Um, I think it was the, I was really sad. That was the one listing I was really ever sad to get. (laughs) You didn't want and her to move. No. Yeah. I said, I've, I've never been more sad to list a house. And they're moving to Wilmington, North Carolina. Oh. So I okay. wish her the best. But she'll okay. continue, I think, yeah, to shine there. But, she is a wonderful but, lady. Yeah. She really is the epitome of taking any negative situation and turning it around and, and looking at it positively. She, she's wonderful to work with and just fascinating to watch. And yeah. I've learned a lot from her. Yeah. Um, any family members that have been mentors for you? Um, I have always looked up to my mother, yeah. I would have to say, as a, as a woman. Yeah. And what is it about her that that inspired you? Her strength, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and she's, is she... And she was a single mother for a while herself. Yes. With, and 
my sister and I. So yeah, um, you know, we didn't talk about the fact that you, you are a single mother yourself, mm-hmm. and um, that's difficult. It's always difficult to be one parent parenting. Um, what are the, some of the things that you've learned from that experience? I think I've learned to be strong. Um, I've learned how to do things on my own <laughs> and not rely on somebody. If it breaks, I have to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. Um, making decisions, too, and not having somebody else, I think, to bounce it off of for, you know, maybe the best things for my son. Um, to make a decision sometimes on my own is difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the listeners are probably women that are contemplating, you know, getting back into the workforce after being home for a long time, raising their own children. And um, I I wonder what advice you would give to them in particular for the women that might be considering, because I know a few, um, (laughs) going out and getting their real estate license and and getting into the game. I think the industry is changing a lot and the perception of it. And now with the internet and sites like Trillion, Zillow, et cetera, people feel as if they could maybe sell their own home or that the, the industry itself is changing. But what I would say to a woman getting into the business is that it's still it's a total people-dominated industry. And most of my business is generated through referrals and, like you said, the trust factor. Mm-hmm. And I think there's really that human connection that you have to make, too. And as long as you're genuine and work hard and communicate with your clients and really use your ears and listen to what they're saying, you will be successful because there is no ceiling in this business. Yeah. Well, relationships are everything in, in every industry. That's so true. Um, I know my mom actually was uh, a realtor for a certain part of her life. And I know she loved the, the you know, interpersonal was her favorite part. Mm-hmm. There's a, it seems to be a lot of paperwork involved and there a is. lot of behind the scenes that was kind of a chore, more of a chore. Is that still the case today? Or do you think that technology has helped with that? I always feel like I have to plant a tree after every transaction because it could be like this. But um, we are trying to go paperless around the office. But at the same time, with a listing, we still have to fill out all the paperwork, turn it in. And then we we do have electronic files now. But at some point, there still is that paper transaction. We still have the, the HUD-1, which is the um, settlement sheet that is still all done in paper. Yeah. And, and signatures and signatures and, and signatures. signatures. Now with DocuSign, we can do a lot of things electronically. Um, however, with a lot of relocation documents and things like that, they still want a wet signature that's actually signed and not signed electronically. Okay. Um, talking about technology, how do you make use of social media? Social media today is is, is a must in any business, um, you know, between Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. What are some of the things that you use and that you find valuable to your business? Uh, shameless self-promotion. I think I embarrassed my son, but um, I, years ago, <laughs> at me. I, I, it's like, oh my gosh, shaking, SMH, shaking my head. But I think years ago, realtors were encouraged to focus on a certain area or to farm a neighborhood and to be a presence and to be the, the residential expert on that neighborhood. And I looked at the internet and I thought, my farm is going to be my Facebook friends. Um, I have a professional page on Facebook, LinkedIn. I thought, if I can tweet something or put something out there, I can touch 1,000 to 1,500 people with, you know, 128 characters or less in a very quick amount of time and get a message out there about the state of the real estate market. So that is why I try to implement as much social media and have a constant presence out there to be in front of people. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we, you know, we again, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of balance. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I think you don't want to be just kind of too much throwing information out there. You have to be strategic with what your messages are. Right. And people, for whatever reason, they love to talk and hear about real estate. And I think it's sort of a barometer of the economic conditions and maybe, you know, the consumer confidence. And the, you can talk. I mean, there's so much information about real estate out there that it doesn't necessarily always have to be about the individual, but maybe more about the area or location or things that are going on within 
the community yeah, as and well. You know, what's really wonderful is that you can share information. In other words, you, you're probably always doing a lot of research and you come across an article exactly. um, that you think is interesting and you're able to share that information. And there are many, so far I haven't done this yet, but there are many agents that will hire a social media guru to manage their social media accounts as well. You know, I, I was going to ask you if you have an assistant of any type or do you do all your work yourself? I don't have an assistant per se. However, I have to give a shout out to Paul Bentley in my office and he does a lot of the marketing assistance and he'll do all the brochures and things like that. He'll actually do my paperwork for me. Um, so I'm incredibly fortunate to have him behind the scenes to do that. So he's just a support for Caldwell Banker itself and he... He's agent he's, services, but there are a few agents that I think use him more than others. Yeah. That would be one of them. But. Do you, would you ever consider um, bringing in an intern? I would. And I just saw this on a networking site about hiring an assistant. There's another femfessional that had mentioned this too, but I would like to hire an assistant, but when times are busy, I don't feel as if I have the time to properly train an assistant. And then when there are slow periods in the market, um, August being one of them, I don't feel as if I'd have the work to give her. So, for him. Well, sometimes... So it's I, a dichotomy. Yeah, it is. And not only that, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, what's fair for interns as far as paying an intern and not paying an intern. And I think, you know, I think being or seeing things firsthand, that type of experience can be really valuable. But at the same time, I think there's there's times when interns maybe are being overused and should be compensated. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? I did have a, a girl that had gone to Westchester University that came into the office and shadowed me for free. But she asked me if I could just shadow you for a week or so and see what a day in the life of a real estate agent is like. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it was a great learning experience for her because she did come out of college with debt. And I don't feel as if it was a good fit for her right away because she needed to be in some sort of an employment position where she had a steady income on a weekly basis. And obviously with real estate, we're 100% commission. Yeah. And it can be months out until you actually see a paycheck. Yeah. Um, I, I should give a shout out to my my wonderful uh, young lady, Taylor McElhenney, who helps me with my website oh. because, yeah, it's, you know, managing the website alone can be a full time job mm-hmm. and the kids can do everything so so quickly. You know, they something can. that would take me an entire day to do. She can do in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm constantly learning, too. There's a huge learning curve. <laughs> there is. What works and what doesn't. Yeah, what works and what doesn't. And, um, you know, I had asked you about a website. You don't have your own personal website, but you have, and we should give this contact information for the listeners. Where would they go to, to see information on you, your bio, your background, and what it is that you um, focus on? I have a few different places. You can see my total bio on LinkedIn, but I also have a GoDaddy domain called L-A Cells, S-E-L-L-S-P-A. Dot com that will take all of the viewers to my Caldwell Banker Preferred page where you can look up properties. You can There's a mortgage calculator. It does everything that a website does. It's very interactive. You can search properties, et cetera. So that's what I've been using. How does that work? The mortgage calculator, how does that work? What a buyer, a potential buyer could do, plug in a property, plug in the interest rates, um, 80% down, whatever amount of money they were going to do or a transaction, or 20% down, I'm sorry, 80% financing, and then it will automatically calculate what their monthly payment would be. And, you know, there's always talk about, you know, what's better, a fixed or a variable. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing one over the other today, or is it still just very case-by-case? It's still case-by-case. Conventional are still the the most um, amount of mortgages that I am seeing. And there are a lot of cash buyers out there as well. I read that. Yes. I was surprised by that. Why Why is that happening? And how, how can that be happening? They've saved. I don't know. Saved. I just didn't think there were any there, savers out there. There are a lot of cash buyers. Yeah. And I think there's, especially investors, they're seeing the value now of, of 
gathering up these properties. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, well, that's the end of the show. See, well, it you. does go quickly. Thank you for it? having me so much. Oh, really appreciate it. I'm, I appreciate you coming in, and, and real estate is always an interesting topic. That's and I wish you, wish you much more success. I'm sure you're going to continue um, on that road. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Again, I was uh, with Leanne Embry, a realtor with Caldwell Banker Preferred. And if you're looking to bell or s- buy or sell, um, I suggest highly you contact her. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.